For the last four years, you came to this podcast to get your needs met, to be fulfilled, to get a pro wrestling, pop culture, and that oh so naughty feeling tingled inside with a little bit of crass sprinkled on top. Now it's time for your hosts, Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn. You are tuned in to the IndyCast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the atrium of independent wrestling analysis, the precipice of pop culture study, and uh, just a, oh, God, it's just, it's a show that doesn't suck, the IndyCast, and I am, of course, one-fourth of your hosting staff, Zach Romero, joining me is two-thirds, or two-fourths, <laughs> or one-half, if that's how fractions work, uh, Mr. Chad Allen. Yeah, if we're rounding, if we if we are rounding the fractions down, yeah, it goes from two fourths to one half to to make it uh, to make it correct. And uh, and we are keeping the streak alive. It is another after dark episode. Woohoo! And we... so uh, so we are here to discuss a few different things. Um, first of all, Chad, I have I have some uh, fantastic news to announce. I love fantastic this news. What you got? This news just dropped today, and this is something that the IndyCast is going to be very, very interested in. It was announced today that uh, Rift Tracks, the spiritual successor of Mystery Science Theater, has just announced their Kickstarter for 2018. Uh, now, for anybody who's not aware, uh, Rift Tracks does a few different uh, live shows, meaning they will perform a rip uh, live and I think usually like Nashville or something. And then it screams live across like 600 screens. It's a phantom event. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but anytime they're doing a movie or planning to do a movie that is not in the public domain, uh, they have to raise money to get the rights to do so. So they've been doing Kickstarters for a while now. And so, one of the movies that they announced that they're doing this year, if they can raise the money through Kickstarter, is goddamn Space Mutiny. See, see, the funny part is, you and I both saw this news. We haven't talked about this yet. I saw the same news today, obviously, and went and checked it out. We are actually excited for the exact opposite movie here, because they did announce two movies. Um, obviously, Space Mutiny, which is a Mystery Science Theater 3000-like classic. Um, but I was actually more excited about the movie Crawl, which I don't, oh, really? I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen the movie Crawl? I don't think so, no. Crawl, um, is like this weird, like, space fantasy movie where, um, the main character uses this weird, like, uh, razor-bladed frisbee, for, or maybe it's like a really big ninja star. I don't know how to describe it. You'd have to really take a look at it to see. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly the, what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you're listening to this and you can find a better way to explain it, by all means, do that in the comments. Um, but yeah, it's it's cheesy. Um, it's 80s as all get out. Uh, but I actually have fond memories of this movie when I was a kid, and I even remember they did have a video game for it uh, that I do remember lovingly playing, I believe, on my Atari 2600. So, so that so, one's actually, that one is actually the one I'm super excited about. 
really, even now, that makes sense why you'd be excited for that. Any excitement at all about Space Mutineer? Oh, oh, definitely. I would love, I would love to see it. The, I think the biggest problem they're going to have for this is going to be obviously the biggest concern is because once again, that's such a mystery science theater 3000. Like when you mention the best of mystery science theater and movies that people should go see, you know, um, space mutiny tends to be one of the ones that gets brought up. I mean, it's, it's so popular. You guys, you know, at fully gimmicked had even put together a pin based off of that movie. So, so, um, uh, you're right, and they've done a couple others. They did Final Justice last year, which is a Jodan Baker classic that's uh, up there as well. Um, they've redone Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and Manos. So they've gone on this road before. Um, however, I do agree that I do. it is a little bit of an uphill battle because uh, Space Beauty has such an iconic running joke. In fact, I would argue the most iconic running joke in any episode. Right. Which is the many names for the lead character, Dave Ryder. And so I do feel like it's going to be difficult if they're going to try to avoid that. Because right. they typically do. When they do the, uh, the retreads, when they go back down memory lane, they do try to avoid repeating jokes or even repeating premises of jokes. They want it to be like a completely fresh experience, so people don't feel like they're getting ripped off. Right. You know, you don't want to go and see like a cover band version of the Mystery Science Theater episode. Right. So if they're going, if they're going into Space Mutiny, going, okay, we're not going to make any name jokes, then yeah, I feel like that is going to be difficult. However, I know that Space Mutiny is one of, if not the most fan favorited episode. And I know that for a fact that if they just did the whole goddamn thing and just came up with new names for Dave Ryder, it would be like five out of five stars. Everybody have a good time. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they pull it. But, yes, I think this is definitely a – and this will definitely have to be an indie cast that goes to the movies a couple of nights here. Um, one, so all four of us can see kind of how they handle – the space mutiny thing like we just talked about. And the other one, because you've surprisingly never seen crawl. Um, I will, I, we will have to go so I can introduce you to the joy uh, that is the cheesiness of the movie crawl. Excellent. <coughs> Excellent. Um, I also wanted to mention in terms of films, um, I recently sat down and watched uh, clue and the shining this past weekend because I was trapped in a cabin in a very rural part of Georgia you were and you were trapped in a cabin, and then you watched The Shining. Yeah. Very interesting choice there. <laughs> um, but what was interesting about it? Because I've watched The Shining quite a few times. I would say it's a it is a favorite film. Oh my! Um, I was watching it with sort of a uh, a preset in mind because there's a ton of different conspiracies about the film. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, immediately you think, well, how could there be conspiracies? It's based on a goddamn book. If you've got any questions or thoughts on deeper meaning, just go look at the fucking book. Well, it doesn't work that way, because Kubrick didn't think the book was that great. So right. he did whatever the fuck he wanted to do with the story. So the, the movie is a different animal than the book. So as, as that is the case, there's certain changes and choices that are made that sort of make you go, hmm, I wonder if that means anything. And so the particular conspiracy that I was watching 
The Shining with in mind is the conspiracy that basically the second half of the movie, a.k.a. when the weird shit starts happening, that that is not actually occurring. That what we're seeing <coughs> is the... Excuse you. Is the, Sorry. Uh, is the, the story that Jack Torrance is working on. Right. And the giveaway of it is every time you see Jack wearing his red jacket, that's when it's pretend time. That's when it's storybook time. And so watching it, it, it adds up. It certainly adds up. Because at one point I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, maybe he just fucking wears it for the second half of the movie. That doesn't mean anything. But then there's literally a scene when um, Scatman Crothers is coming back to the Overlook and he's flying on a plane. And while that scene is happening, we see Jack Torrance at the typewriter typing. And this isn't the grand reveal of all work and no play. This is just him typing at, at the typewriter and he's not wearing the jacket. And then when we see him again, he's wearing the jacket again. And Kubrick was the kind of detail-oriented director that, you know, I don't think he would necessarily miss that. Right. Oops, he wasn't wearing the jacket in this seat. That's, and I think that's where a lot of conspiracies of his films come from, is that he was so, you know, retentive that anytime there's something weird going on, you immediately go, well, wait a minute, did he mean to put that in there, or right. was he just an asshole? So, that was that. And then Clue... It's a fantastic film, and fuck anybody who says otherwise. Yeah, no. If you if you don't think the the Clue movie is a is a good flick, we we can't be friends. You probably shouldn't be listening to the show either. Well, uh, now, obviously, it's fresh in my mind. Um, do you have a favorite uh, character in Clue? Um, uh, um, uh, Mrs. White, Madeline Kahn, is amazing in that movie. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's a lot of great characters in that movie, though. So it's that's like you know that's the proverbial trying to pick your favorite child some days too, because like Madeline Kahn's excellent in that movie, and um, you know uh, uh, um, Richard Mall as uh, Colonel Mustard is really good in that movie. Um, I mean, it's just a great overall cast. I mean, if you look at the names that are in that cast, that's you you can see why that movie is. You know, stood stood the test of time, as it were. So, but I agree. Um, I think my favorite moment in the movie is when Tim Curry is reenacting basically the entire movie right. at the end. And at one point, he runs up the stairs with Madeline Kahn, and she kind of like trips, and he just leaves her on the stairs. Yes. Like, she just does not make the journey, and I think that's the funniest shit on the planet. Uh, I think in that movie, um, uh, I think that the best line still in that movie is is it went to get Madeline Kahn with the 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 flames, you know, flames all up all up on my face. That that Thanks. gets breathing breathless. Which that scene doesn't even end; they just move on. Like, yeah, I, love that. I think that's the funniest part. But they that scene is still. One of the funniest scenes in movie in movie history to me. Um, also, anything involving them counting the number of bullets in the gun True. Uh, makes me it gets me gets me laugh every time. Um, and right now, if David Puente is listening to this podcast, he's he's kicking himself for not making an appearance because um, he loves that movie. 
uh, anyway, so um, so that's movie talk. Super excited about Rift Tracks coming back to Space Mutiny. Uh, go find them on Kickstarter. If you give to the $35 tier, you get a bunch of digital bonusy bullshit, but they're also making their first Rift Tracks enamel pin, which that's pretty fucking exciting for this guy. So as I say, I'm assuming you've already you've already spent your $35 then. No, yeah, not yet. I'm I'm, I'm working on it. Um, it's been a very hectic uh, coming back to merch, so I haven't really had time to uh, to uh, to work on that yet. But that was uh, that was talking point number one here. Number two, um, other announcement that was made, which Chad, I'm sure you've seen a dozen times already, is that uh, going into the WWE Hall of Fame <laughs> this year, one throwback to Season one of the indie cast, Jeff Jarrett, and he great. Ugh. That's kind of what my thought was, too. Now, here's the thing. In terms of wrestling as a whole, I think the argument could be made that Jeff Jarrett has done enough to garner a Hall of Fame spot. You've got WWE, you've got WCW, you've got basically launching TNA, for better or for worse, Global Force. Like, he's done a lot of things in wrestling. So I think the argument could be made if you took absolutely everything and put it together, I think you could make the PowerPoint that he should be in a Hall of Fame. But if we're just looking at his WWE contribution, I do not think that's the case. So, because WWE owns as much of the wrestling world as it does now, owning, obviously, WCW, where Jarrett did have a a very good career, and being able to go back to even, like, things like Mid-South, where we can show him wrestling legends, and getting his start, you know, with guys like Jerry Lawler and things like that. You're absolutely correct. There can be a case made for for Jeff Jarrett. Now, in my rebuttal for that, I would like to say, fuck Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) Fuck him in his goat ass. I'm just... And this is completely personal. And it's not not like he's done anything personal to me. I've never met Jeff Jarrett in my life. Well, I did bump into him at a gathering once. Someone, you can put some stories together here now if you want. Um, but um, go back to listen to old episodes. But um, I've just, I've never cared for him. I never thought he was that interesting. I thought the uh, the titles he've got, he's gotten in the past, have been questionable at best. Um, I just, I've just never cared for him. I don't think he's that interesting in the ring. I would probably fast forward through matches if he was in them. Like you said, this, you know, the the only thing that I kind of hope out of this is because he was like the last tag partner for Owen Hart before Owen died. Um, uh-huh. If he could come up there and make some sort of pitch to try to get Owen in, that maybe Owen's wife will listen to. One hundred percent doubtful, but. Um, that would be, like, the only thing I can really think well, of. Looking but, back, like, in terms of WWE, what did Jeff Jarrett do of note? Uh, he, he was caused inter- Road Dog 
Right. He made Deborah McMichael kind of a thing, like they, they ran with that. Boobies, I guess. Hitting people with a chair, which Honky Tonk Man was already, or uh, hitting people with a guitar, which Honky Tonk Man was already doing. Right. Um, don't piss me off. And tagging with Owen Hart. Oh, also <coughs> losing the Intercontinental title to China, which they don't even consider an actual title reign anymore. If you look at WWE's uh, listing of Intercontinental Champions, China is not listed anymore. They really? Don't even consider that reign. So that one's debatable, I guess. Um. Yeah, I mean, you you've hit the, the you know and the sad part is, and I and I thoroughly believe this. We talked about how obviously he made Road Dog a thing, which was a spinoff. That's one of the few times where I think the spinoff has been better than the you know the original show it came from. So, are you uh, suggesting that Road Dog Jesse James was the Frasier of pro wrestling? Um. Well, okay. So this could start an issue within itself. I liked Cheers better. But for for this example, I yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to think of a good example. Frazier was is probably the most successful television spinoff. So. Okay, if we're going for that, then then yes, no, I would say that's I would say that's correct. Okay, we'll be sure to tag him in this so that we know, so the road dog knows that he's he's the Frazier of pro wrestling. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just always felt like Jeff Jarrett was kind of like a BC player. Right. Which, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who make the same argument about, like, Coco Beware being in there. But in the 80s, you know, Coco was on rock and wrestling. He was still involved tremendously with the product at the time. Like, to a certain degree, they did put some of the company on Coco Beware in his heyday. Well, and, and like I said, and again, I'm not necessarily, again, my dislike of Jeff Jarrett is, is more just like I thought he was born. Right. Uh, But like you said, his career ultimately, if you do kind of put it up there, can be made for the argument for Hall of Fame. I I feel the same way, and a lot of people argue, obviously, and Coco is an interesting one to bring up. A lot of people obviously always bring up Coco Beware as why the hell is he in the WWE. But once again, if you don't just look at his WWE career, which wasn't bad unto itself, he wasn't like right. a major title holder or anything, but he had a, a decent career. But he also did a lot of stuff in like Memphis and areas like that beforehand that really put his name on the map. Um, it's the same reason that like if you took a look at like the Bushwhackers and tried to do their career based solely off of what they did in the WWE, yeah, you know, it looks like a jokey tag team that how the hell are they getting in there? But if you look at like the Sheep Herders stuff they did before that, um, and like their feud with the Fantastics and things like that, you you've got a story you can work with to show why they belong in there. So, and this has been another segment of Chad remembers a lot of things about wrestling. Right, please. If you're playing the IndyCast drinking game at home, please finish your alcohol for the for my rant there on why the Bushwhackers and Coco Beware belong in the in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. Not proud. But Jeff Jarrett shouldn't be. I, I, I'm, I'm a little backwards on my thinking, I think. But that's okay. So, Well, uh, everyone's been pretty thrilled at the... Uh, oh, well, what do you think about... Okay, so backtrack a bit. So we're, we're pointing out that, you know, if you're just looking at WWE, Jeff Jarrett, not necessarily something to write home about. Right. 
And the elephant in the room being, hey, he's been actively competing with the WWE for the past, what, 10 years? But you go, well, you know what, though? Maybe they're just sort of like, you know, WWE's being the bigger man and, and you know, bringing them in and they're not going to, this isn't like a TNA thing. This is truly like a WWE thing. But then they said that Kurt Angle is supposedly inducting him. I think that was somebody, I think that was somebody being a smart ass. By the way, well, you know the whole joke about why they wanted Kurt Angle to, to induct him, right? Why that was the joke? No, well, I, I didn't hear a specific punchline. Oh, do you know who? You don't know who Jeff Jarrett's married to? Well, yes, I do, but I didn't realize that's what we were going with. I was yeah. thinking more of like, hey, by the way, the only time these two interacted was during the TNA days. No, it was completely these two have interacted because they're Eskimo brothers with with Karen Angle. So that's that's completely what it was. Is both of them have you know inseminated Karen Angle Jarrett at some point? So that that's their connection right there. So literally their connection. Exactly. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I like went apeshit about this week. Um, it's the it's the uh, the international toy fair this week. So a lot of, like, toy companies and shit like that have been announcing stuff that they're coming out with for the year, and a lot of it has, like, given me a big old nerd boner. Oh, yeah, Funko. Funko, I think I've probably shared about a half a dozen of their posts just in the past, like, day. So uh, You look at the, some of what NECA is doing as well. They're releasing a full-blown Tim Curry uh, Pennywise figure. Oh, I didn't see that one. That comes with multiple heads, like... Like including the uh huh uh huh uh huh like laughing face and sound like noisemaker. Like um, I'm absolutely gonna be buying the living shit out of that. Oh god, yeah. So yeah, that, making a, a Pennywise in the new movie as well, which I will also be purchasing. I do believe I saw the um, who was it? What company? Might have been NECA. Was um, I think I saw a re-release for Thundercats. Oh no, that's Funko. Is that Funko? Funko? Um. They somehow, like, basically replicated the He-Man figure. Right. And uh, they started with that shitty Son of Zorn cartoon show that was on Fox for, like, ten seconds. Right. And that didn't go anywhere, so now they've decided to take different properties and just make them He-Man figures. Right. So they're doing Thundercats. Uh, They've already started releasing Mortal Kombat, which uh, IndieCast and front of the IndieCast and fully gimmicked artists Buckshot already has Scorpion and Sub-Zero, so Luna and I grabbed Brayton tonight. Nice. Um, and they're doing a set of horror characters in the He-Man style. Which I will be all about. I definitely want to pick those up. So. Well, the fact that they're doing a pinhead, I was like, get the fuck right out of here. So, um, so yeah, big old boners all around. And then also, Diamond Select is doing um, the very fancy pants to scale lifelike version of the real Ghostbusters, a.k.a. the cartoon from the 90s. Nice. And they look fucking awesome, and I'm going to buy that shit. And then, uh, what did I see? I saw, I sent to your, uh, to your, uh, 
to uh, your bride, I sent the um, Alice Cooper pops that they're coming out with. Funko, to your original point, Funko is, is really fucking, um, fucking bank account. The, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of the Pee-wee's Playhouse ones are amazing. Yes. Um, and I also just found out today that I guess Paul Rubens is going to be at... At Megacon, yeah, in the, in the summer. Uh, so, in Orla- here in Orlando, so... Uh, I think I'm going to have to try to find one of those and definitely see if I can get that baby signed. Because uh, Luna was apparently talking herself out of Megacon because um, Jeff Goldblum's going to be there. Oh, really? Yeah, and this is like one of the first con- cons he's ever done. Um, I know Jason Momoa is going to be there, which will be what I'll have to try to keep Shelly away from. So, right, um, but uh, but she was sort of talking herself down from paying to go see Jeff Goldblum, and then they announced Pee-wee, and she's like, well, shit, I guess I'm going. I was like, okay, good. I wonder how much, I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask how much these, like, the pic, because I'm going to have to go get a picture with, with, with Paul Rubens. I think that's just going to have to happen. Um, and I'm just scared to see how much it's going to cost me to get a picture with Paul Rubens. Um, probably a pretty heavy. Yeah. And then I'm going to have to, like, Balance it out by like, you know, well, honey, I know I'm paying this much for Paul Rubens, so let's see how much Jason Momoa is, and there's going to be like 400 bucks out of my account. Wonderful. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be pretty goddamn ridiculous. And uh, Luna's got uh, the entire Pee-wee's Playhouse collection on Blu-ray. Of course she so does. That's I said if you want to be a hipster, you could bring uh, a poster for Batman Returns. True. Because he played... Uh, uh, the Penguin's father for the opening scene. And actually, I don't know if do you ever watch Gotham? Uh, no, I don't. He um, uh, he actually played the Penguin's father in a few episodes okay. of the TV series Gotham as well, as a little bit of a callback to that. So, but you're absolutely right. If the pop vinyl come out in time, then absolutely, I would want to get one of those signed. Although Luna does own the original Playhouse playset. So we can lug that motherfucker in and have him sign Flory or something like there that. There you go. <clears throat> I'm trying to think what would be the most hipster thing you could bring to get Pee Wee Herman to sign. Probably um, like uh, a DVD copy of Blow or uh, that one Cheech and Chong movie that he's in. Nice. Uh, or, God, what um, What was he in? He was in something. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was now. Um. He was in Buffy too. He was in Buffy. You could use it. Uh, you could real hipster the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie because he was a vampire in that. True. Um, why do I want to say he? Why do I want to say he was in Blues Brothers? I've got him in my head in Blues Brothers for some reason, and I don't it, that. that's like my favorite movie of all time. And I cannot believe I can't think. I can't picture of where I remember seeing him because I feel like it was in something like that that he made a like, just a walk-in appearance in. It wasn't anything major. Like, if I could double whammy it, I would get, uh, the, uh, like, the 8x10 of Pee-wee's Big Adventure when he's in the, the biker bar. Yes. And the, the one lady grabs him by the collar, and she says, like, I say, give him to me. And they're yes. like, yeah! <laughs> I would get that, and I would have it signed by... Pee-wee, and then I would also get it signed by Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira. Elvira, yep. Her in that scene, and that's awesome. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> no! Yeah. Oh, that's such a good movie, too. <laughs> what an underrated classic Pee-wee's Big Adventure is, by the way. I've yet to see... He actually, he had a new movie that uh, came out on Netflix that I've yet to sit down and watch that was like uh, another yeah, like Pee-wee Man movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to watch it now. Just so, just so you can meet him and just shake your head in shame, like why? <laughs> this man got caught masturbating in a in a, an adult theater. I, I don't know if there's anything that we can do now that would he would he would worry about us hanging our head in shame for. So, no, can I tell you what I'm really worried about? Huh. I'm worried. I'm gonna take his hand and I'm gonna start asking him like the really deep dive <laughs> fucking questions, and then like, just kill me, please. I'm sorry. I think we need to, uh, you know what I think we need to do for that con, especially if, if we all decide to go to this one here. I think we need to, we need to break out the video camera and we need to somehow try to steal, uh, our friend Milo Be- Milo Be- Beasley's gimmick and see if we can get some of these people to come on and answer the IndyCast final two questions. That's true. I would love to hear. I would love to hear Paul Rubens answer the final two questions. Whether we could actually get close enough, or that you know, the camera in his face long enough to do it, is a whole other story. But I'd be, I'd love to see what he said. And he has done wrestling stuff before. Um, he has shown up on Raw in the past, so there is a uh, there, there is a wrestling connection there. Even like that's what we needed. That was the only thing we were missing. Was the wrestling connection? Well, I mean, one yeah, of the like, two questions is what. Well, I guess more of my concern would be is that, like, when we ask him, like, what wrestler would you bring back, he at least might have some sort of knowledge, is is my hope well, and prayer. Yeah, I would say, what actor would you have loved to have worked with? There you go. The there you go. Just change it up a little. Second question remains the same, though. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then I was trying to figure out if I was going to get something signed by Jeff Goldblum, what would it be? Well, again, once again, if the Funko Pops are out there and that one with him, like, lounging is around, that's definitely... Yeah, the second the... Jeff Goldblum Pop, uh, that's true. Um, I have the soundtrack on vinyl for Cronenberg's uh, The Fly. Amazing. So maybe that. That would be excellent. Be I could get him, like, a VHS copy of Earth Girls Are Easy. Amen, which is probably Jeff Goldblum's best movie ever, so... I'm sure he wouldn't just throw that on the floor. Um, I'm sure he would laugh and sign that thing because he probably made some decent money off of that, amazingly enough. So. That's true. Uh, also, speaking of uh, connections to Earth Girls Are Easy, Jim Carrey, uh, I haven't gotten to watch the Jim Carrey documentary about making Man on the Moon. I haven't yet either, sadly. And I really want to because I like that movie. I love Andy Kaufman. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see that. However, I did watch a, uh, a video online of somebody just sort of, like, breaking down the documentary and basically making the point of Jim Carrey wasn't method acting. He was just being an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of up his own ass. And I was like, hmm, okay. That, neither would surprise, method so acting like, or him up his own ass, neither would surprise me all that much. But they made the argument of, like, you know, if he had never, like, if he wasn't similar to Andy Kaufman in any way, then it would be one thing. Right. 
but there were certain elements, especially in his earlier years, where, like, you could almost make the argument that he was, like, ripping Kaufman off. Right. Um, so he was already, like, kind of doing Andy Kaufman, and then uh, they do, like, side-by-side comparisons of, uh, like, basically, like, the recreations of the stand-up. Right. Like, from the movie. And how when Andy Kaufman would do these bits and characters, uh, it was it was challenging to the audience because you didn't really see the punchline coming. Where in the movie, it's still Jim Carrey doing it, so there's like very clearly a punchline. Right. Um, and like the first example I think of is when he was in the middle of when Kaufman was in the middle of like antagonizing women because he was doing the whole wrestling thing. Right. He's having an interview and he's like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to come across like I'm coming down on women. You know, they're obviously very good at like cooking and cleaning and stuff." And he's just being a dick. And it's not, haha, funny right at that moment. You're like, "Whoa, what an asshole!" But when they do it, when they recreate it in the movie, Jim Carrey like very clearly sets it up. Like it's like, boom, 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 and boom, and you're like, "Oh, okay, very funny." So, it was sort of making the argument of, like, it probably wasn't method acting, and if it was, then he's not very good, because he didn't come across like Andy Kaufman, he came across like Jim Carrey. Right. But, so now, so basically, I haven't seen the documentary, but I've seen someone who took the piss out of the documentary. Right. So, I don't know where that puts me. Well, I guess you'll have to ultimately just watch it and judge judge for yourself in the long run of it, so. I guess we'll all have to do that, because I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it either, so. So, Excellent. So, uh, Chet, anything on your docket? I, I, I've exhausted all of my random-ass talking points for this evening. Uh, I don't believe we have talked about the most recent uh, Punk Pro show, A New Kind of uh, new kind of Army. Uh, oh, very true. Tell us a little bit about uh, how it went. Sadly, I was uh, I was not supposed to be there, then I was going to be there, then I couldn't make it after all, so uh, I am... Uh, sitting as patiently as I can, waiting for the editing to be done so it goes up on whatever media platform it ends up on so I can watch it. Um, but uh, tell the dozens and dozens of how it went. Uh, show went very, very well. Um, great audience. Uh, great audience of a lot of new people to wrestling. We kind of reached out to some different communities, and, and so for a lot of people, this was like their first indie show they'd ever been to so at certain points it was almost like a japanese crowd which sounds very dickish to say but like everybody was just super involved with holy shit what's going on as opposed to like here's the part where we clap like it, there was certain elements of that right um the line of the night went to uh one fan in the front row uh when john davis hit a snap German on chip day and basically just crumpled him in a, in a mass that, uh, the, the gentleman in the front row, uh, loud enough for everyone to hear went sweet Jesus. And everyone <laughs> laughed. Um, except for chip day, went, obviously. You're right. Uh, the show went fantastic. Um, I still, I still argue that the get your shit in title is one of the most entertaining titles in professional wrestling today. Um, the match between Kurt Stallion and Aaron Epic was outstanding. Um, just amazing talent and probably one of the most fun Troy Hollywood matches that I've ever gotten to experience in my life. He was having tons of fun and he literally ended the match by jumping out of the
Sue Young versus uh, Jamie Senegal changed a lot of people's minds because um, a lot of people there had never seen Jamie or Sue, and they were blown away by both. Um, I was very impressed, by the way, to see uh, um, Sue on this show. Um, I think that was a very a somewhat unexpected surprise. Uh, not, not that we haven't, you know, not that she's not fully gimmicked, not that she's not a friend of the indie cast. So like the connection was there. Um, but she's been so in demand lately. Um, and it's just been all over the country. Cause I mean, obviously if you follow her social media at all, um, she doesn't stop. So, uh, and she just had come off a, a pretty brutal match with her and Effie for the fest title, like the night before. Um, yes. So yes. seeing we had, to, we had to call in some favors to make that happen, but Aria Blake got hurt, and so you know we had to we had to figure out what was going to be a suitable replacement. So and she put the Sue in suitable. Yeah. Um. And then uh, in addition to that, just kind of jumping uh, horizontally here, uh, Rich Swan coming back to the Indies. Rich Swan fighting goddamn Chip Day yes. at PWX. Holy shit, I want to see that match. Yes. Completely agreed, and I also now want to see uh, Rich Swan and Punk Pro. Uh, that's Because okay, that would be amazing, too. We'll, 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 we'll set the call out. Yeah. We'll, see, uh, we'll see how many pennies that uh, Fully Gimmick can squeeze together. Actually, and can I, can I make a match request right now that I would like to see? I don't know. This probably might cost a oh. lot of pennies. But for some reason, I'm very interested to see this, especially if I can finally get there in person. I would like to see Rich Swan and Effie. Oh, very nice. I think that would be a blast um, with two definite larger-than-life characters that would be very interesting playing off of each other. Very true. I will put that down in the Dream Journal. There you go. And um, oh, yeah. and any... Uh, New Kind of Army was a success. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm very, very proud of everybody who was a part of it. Everybody who came out, and I will, uh, I will state as an exclusive to the IndyCast, the next Punk Pro show is happening in May. I don't right. have a date yet, but it is happening in May. Uh, is that going to be called uh, Chad's birthday show? Because my birthday is indeed in May. Uh, maybe that would be amazing. I would say we'll, we'll certainly see what we can do and put together for you. You are, uh, you are a friend of both. Fully gimmicked Punk Pro and obviously the IndyCast, so I think you've got some seniority here. I'll take it. So I'll throw my uh, weight around yeah. a little bit, literally and figuratively. So there's your exclusive next Punk Pro in May. Uh, we're working on merchandise this week, but I'm hoping to have uh, uh, the shows edited, including the secret show. Um, that will be rearing its its beautiful head uh, here in the near future. Will we? Will and, you be releasing a peanut gallery uh, um, <laughs> commentary track? Because that would also be amazing. Uh, well, I will see what we can do. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, I think the plan is we're going to be releasing it as a bonus to the new kind of army show. Okay. And so we may give people the option of official commentary and peanut gallery commentary. That would be amazing. Is this, is this good? Are we looking to release on DVD or too soon to tell? Uh, too soon to tell. I know we'll at least do it digitally because that is the wave of the future. Right. Um, but I think <coughs> we could probably together some DVDs if need be. Okay. So something to look forward to. And real quick, I'll let you get your shit in. 
Uh, I saw Fully Gimmicked rest, uh, working with another company. I think I saw that come up recently. And uh, some some uh, possible other new people. So what, what's going on in the Fully Gimmicked front? for Shanti Blackheart and for uh, Harlow O'Hara at the moment. Uh, we just announced uh, yesterday we are officially the home of the first official Pro Wrestling Ego uh, t-shirt, which we've been working on uh, that for a little while now, and that's finally come to fruition. And so Pro Wrestling Ego is, is one of the up-and-coming companies that's in, like, the sort of mid-southeast sort of area. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Davis has worked with them. Um, a, a lot of our friends and, and favorites have worked with Pro Wrestling Ego. So we've done the fusion dance with them. And uh, we've got a couple of different designs uh, rolling out here soon. It is coming up on summer, which means we'll probably be doing a pretty big push on shorts and tank tops um, because it gets hotter than hell down here. And... Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, uh, February the 25th, which is this weekend, Brawl uh, USA, friend of the IndyCast and Fully Gimmick, is putting on a show um, which is sort of like a precursor to Elimination Chamber. Um, so my beautiful face will be poking around there, as well as Aaron Epic and, and other uh, faves. And um, so we got Brawl. Luck of the Irish with ACW is going to be the first uh, weekend. I think it's the third of March. And I'll be doing ring announcing there. And uh, you'll see me tomorrow night. Or actually, when this goes up, you will have just missed me probably. <laughs> Wednesday night uh, at ACW at the event center. I've been doing ring announcing and commentary with Buckshot. Yes. Thank you, Gomez. Um, and you. You may have a, uh, I, I haven't confirmed it yet, but there may be a, uh, a special person in the audience, uh, uh, namely me. So I might be coming up tomorrow night. So, so if you want to, um, so if you're, if you're interested in a three man booth, I will, I will have my gimmick with me. So absolutely. absolutely. Or if not, I might stick you in buckshot for a couple. We might uh, round robin. I can, that would be awesome too. So, uh, so yeah, that's all of our getting of the shit in right now. Uh, like I said, Luna is actively working on shirts as we speak. And, uh, and yeah, I've, I've burnt the living shit out of my finger and it looks really gross. So there you go. Oh, here's a question. Chad, have you ever done mini s'mores, meaning you, uh, roast a marshmallow and you stick it in between an Oreo? I have not, but that sounds amazing. It is. It's up there with the uh, the Dunkaroo dip that you made in terms of the Indy <laughs> uh, Chocolate Factory. So, I highly recommend it. Very, very tasty. Well, well, well. Yeah, no, that's the... So, now, are you taking... So, you're taking two separate, two Oreo, like, full Oreo cookies, or are you breaking the... the... Um, I split the Oreo in half. Okay. Burn that son of a bitch marshmallow slap it in between the cookies, then boom, swish. So it's like okay. a steroid Oreo. Okay. Did anybody try taking two separate Oreos and then, like, smashing the the That's marshmallow? God's domain, and we did not do that. Well, apparently you should. Let's go the double stuffer out there, I think. so. Also, uh, inadvertently invented the effeminate hillbilly as a beverage. What's in that, just out of interest? Uh, that is Fresca and Moonshine. 
Very interesting. And I do love me some Fresca, by the by. This, so. this episode of the Indycast After Dark brought to you by Fresca. Yeah. Fresca. No, it's actually pretty good, believe it or not. Yeah. No. You wouldn't think you you say grapefruit soda and you don't you're gonna think that's horrible, but no, it's usually actually quite quite wonderful. And are you just using plain old moonshine on that one, or was it a, a flavored uh, uh, moonshine? Apple moonshine. Apple moonshine. Uh, there you go. So yes, once again, this episode of the IndyCast After Dark brought to you by Fresca. Fresca, the butch version of Lacroix. Uh, <laughs> I've never had a Lacroix. Neither have I. There's one in my fridge right now, and I think I'm going to throw it in the backyard. Anyway, so, I think that's it for this episode of the IndyCast After Dark. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, For the ladies who are not here, I am the sexually aggressive koala. Uh, And as always, I am Coculus Maximus. And until next time, everybody, we always say, Deuces!